how we might start to, to introduce some more assertive language around the behaviour being inappropriate. And so things like needs-based requests. So look, I, I need you to slow down so that I can best support you with your request right now or so that I can feel your script or, or whatever the situation may be. There's a big difference between things like slow down and calm down. So if I tell you to calm down, don't like tell me to calm down. Who are you telling to calm down, right? But if I ask you to slow down or can you yell slowly, please, so I can better understand you, have you tried yelling slowly? So even the language we're using in those needs space requests can be really important. So having some of those things to back us up. Hi, I'm Mark Osigo, workplace psychologist at Australian Psychological Services, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia, focusing on pharmacy management and ownership. The PDCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Having to deal with aggressive or stressed customers is an unfortunate reality when working in community pharmacy during the holiday seasons. How do you help your staff manage hostile interactions while prioritising the safety of themselves and other patients? How can you, as a manager, create an environment where your staff feel supported and empowered to stand up for themselves? Today's episode is a timely exploration of a topic that holds immense relevance during the holiday hustle. Joining me is Mark Ostergo, a workplace psychologist from Australian Psychological Services, to shed light on navigating the complexities of occupational violence and aggression in the pharmacy realm. Here's Mark. Hi, Mark, and welcome to the show. As we dive into the festive Christmas season, all very exciting. It, it is a time filled with joy and celebration, but it's important to acknowledge that for some, it can be a very challenging and, and also a very stressful period for them. And unfortunately, many who find themselves working through the holiday period, like at pharmacists, may also find themselves being the outlet for some of those people's stress. Before we delve into our discussion on coping with aggressive customers and challenging situations in a pharmacy setting during the holiday season, Mark, I think it'd be great if you could share just a little bit about your background and your expertise in dealing with occupational violence and aggression in the workplace. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. My background was uh, initially nearly a, a decade in the Australian Army as a, a psychology officer. Uh, which is interesting because often, you know, we're on the, the other side of aggression, if you like. Uh, but I think for me, my, my last posting was as the, the commander of a health centre. Uh, so we, we had a, you know, inpatient ward, outpatients, pharmacists, physios, the, you, you name it. And it's not until you see someone's healthcare go wrong uh, that you absolutely experience that, that aggression. And I, I experienced it on my end and was on the receiving end of that aggression. And for me, it's been you know, one of those uh, motivating factors that's kind of led me to work in this space. And I've been incredibly privileged to, to work across a number of industries, whether it's healthcare, finance, insurance, retail, uh, you name it, it kind of working across those, those varied industries where we see that, those customer interactions and higher levels of customer aggression. And I guess what we're absolutely seeing in recent months and over the past uh, years is that increase in aggression as well. 
And I think what absolutely underlines that comment there about the increase in aggression is you can go to so many customer service uh, businesses, shop fronts, those sorts of things, and there are posters warning against it and that the staff don't need to be able to tolerate it. Now, Mark, stress can manifest itself in different ways depending on the individual and the situation, but a particular one, as we've alluded to, obviously, that can be very difficult for others to deal with is through that aggression. What is the the psychology behind why some individuals express their stress or frustration through aggression, especially in situations that are probably not actually that threatening or dangerous to them? Let's actually start to unpack what the stress response actually is. And at the heart of it is that that fight, fight, freeze piece, right? So what happens is our, our brain perceives a threat and we go into that that automatic response. Uh, you know, blood gets pumped to our major organs and our uh, muscles getting ready to, to fight or, or flee. Uh, you know, we see the, the increase in things like cortisol and adrenaline and noradrenaline. And, you know, that, that blood has to come from somewhere. And where that comes from is our brain. And so what happens is it shuts down the, you know, the, the prefrontal cortex, which is used for our logic, rational decision-making, or all that, those higher-order executive functions. Uh, our hippocampus gets impacted as well, which is where we store and lay our memory, and we go back into our amygdala or our reptilian brain. And that's where it's that reactionary emotive response. And at the heart of it is that emotive response that comes out uh, where we see that, that customer aggression, I guess, staying to manifest. And so from an individual stress reaction, there's that component to it. And I guess when we look more broadly around, you know, some pretty uniform triggers and what leads to that, um, I guess we see, you know, things like, uh, you know, using aggression to intimidate or to overpower to get what I want. It might be because, uh, you know, there's a misalignment of expectations. So, I was expecting A to happen uh, because that's what it said on the website. And when I rocked up, my reality was very different. Uh, so we can see some of those common triggers that then, you know, we're perceiving as a threat and, and we become escalated and that fight, fight, freeze response kicks in. And that's when we can start to see some of that aggression and, and escalation occur. During the holiday season, unfortunately, stress is, it's kind of inevitable for pharmacy staff. It just comes with the territory it potentially impacts both their own well-being and interactions with patients and colleagues. When feeling stressed or overwhelmed, it is easy to get a bit snappy or act in ways that you normally wouldn't. We're probably all guilty of it. Are there any steps that pharmacy staff can take to manage their stress and, and prevent it from getting to that point and affecting others within the pharmacy environment? Because I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that works in a pharmacy that, that wants to it to get to that point. Absolutely. And I think there's a couple of key steps that we can kind of take to, to manage those, those arousal levels. So the first one is building a bit of insight and awareness. Like what are my triggers? What's going to escalate me? Because if I'm escalated, I'm less likely to be able to de-escalate a situation. 
And so for me, you know, one of my personal triggers is when someone calls me mate in a condescending way. I don't know what it is about it, but it just triggers something and I start to feel my blood boil, right? Uh, we all have those triggers. And so if we're aware of what they are, we're able to identify them early. And then I guess the question is, well, what do we do about it? And for me, that sits in that controlled breathing space. So if you think about that flight, fight, freeze response we just spoke about, how do we actually start to, to bring that down and, and reduce those arousal levels? Well, it's through our breath. So as simple as taking you know, a deep breath in, holding it for three seconds, and then releasing it for three seconds, that's going to slow everything down and hopefully re-engage that frontal part of our brain again and start to be able to make some more of those rational decisions rather than me getting really frustrated and angry because someone called me mate and decided to go at it, right? So being aware of our triggers and practicing that controlled breathing can be really beneficial. What about if breathing's not your thing or, or you think it doesn't really help me, I've tried it before, is are there other things that, that people can do? Maybe go for a walk or, or, or distract themselves with something else? I guess there are other techniques we can look at. So it might be you know, a bit of a, a grounding exercise, for example. So how do I bring myself back to the, the here and now? And that might be, you know, what are three things I can feel? What are three things I can hear? What are three things I can see? So I'm kind of bringing myself back to the present. Um, if I find myself getting you know, highly uh, uh, um, over-aroused and, and hyper-aroused, it, it might be that I want to remove myself from the situation so I can slow down. I think, though, in a customer interaction, we need to be really careful with that because it can be perceived as they're just walking away and then we're likely to see the, the situation escalate. So, you know, it might need to be, hey, look, uh, uh, absolutely want to support you with your request right now. I just need to, to go into the back room and, and look something up, right? So it, those kinds of things. So absolutely, there might be those, those other activities that we can engage with. Obviously, that's focusing on staff. If we look at the other side of the fence, we also know that patients can be stressed, which can lead to some pretty uncomfortable situations for the staff in the pharmacy. Sometimes an interaction might start out completely normal and then it just suddenly starts turning hostile, which can catch staff off guard. Are there any red flags or maybe common triggers or signs that staff should be aware of in their interactions with patients that might lead to escalated behaviour if, if those sorts of things are unnoticed or left unchecked? What we're looking for is really in our patients or, or our customers trying to identify those early warning signs of, of that fight, fight, praise response. And, and so some really common ones we might look out for are things like muscle tension. It, you know, you're starting to see someone get angry, they often, often clench their fists uh, it might be that short, sharp, shallow breathing, uh, a lot of restlessness or fidgetedness and, and that kind of stuff. I think, though, there's also the, the recognition that we want to look for some systems-based triggers. And so if we're noticing that we're in a peak period and, and our, you know, our cues are starting to, to increase and wait times are starting to increase, it, it might be as simple as, you know, jumping out front and, and walking the queue and just, you know, letting, know, letting everyone know where we're at. 
Uh, it could be, you know, looking for the, where there may be a misalignment of, of information. So maybe there's been a, a sale put up on in a brochure and, and a letter drop box being done and, and the information is in there is incorrect. And, and then people come looking in for that that sale and then suddenly, you know, it's not there and, and we start to see that being a trigger. You know, can we put some signage up so that people are aware of it when they first walk in, for example? So looking at, at both the individual piece but also the, the systems-based piece. You've just spoken there about some of the flags with regards to staff interacting with patients and earlier how staff can manage their own stress. But ultimately, it's it's impossible to avoid all aggressive situations, even if you see those flags and you're, you're pretty self-aware about making sure that you're trying to control your own stress. As such, what are some practical strategies that pharmacy staff can use to de-escalate tense or aggressive situations with customers? So it's happened, we're aware of it, we, we couldn't avoid it, we're in the middle of it. What are some strategies that pharmacy staff can use to, to de-escalate that? I think it comes back to some of that communication competency, if you like, and looking at how we're engaging and communicating with our patients. So the first piece for me is that demonstration of empathy. And there's, there's a difference between empathy and sympathy, right? So sympathy is feeling sorry for someone, whereas empathy is actually taking that moment to think about what it's like to be in their shoes. So that demonstration of, of empathy and both at the, the cognitive and emotional level and, and, and kind of relaying that to the patient can be beneficial. I think there's a, a piece in there around active listening uh, and taking the time out to, to hear uh, you know, what the, the complaint may be or the concern or, or the trigger around the aggression. Uh, there's a, a piece in there around acknowledging, you know, what the person's going for or, or going through. And, and then finally, I think there's that piece where if those techniques aren't using to de-escalate, how we might start to, to introduce some more assertive language around the behaviour being inappropriate. And so, you know, things like needs-based requests so look, I, I need you to slow down so that I can best support you with your request right now or so that I can fill your script or, or whatever the situation may be. And I think, you know, there's a big difference between things like slow down and calm down. So if I tell you to calm down, don't like tell me to calm down. Who are you telling to calm down, right? But if I ask you to slow down or can you yell slowly, please, so I can better understand you, have you tried yelling slowly, right? So even the language we're using in those need space requests can be really important. So having some of those things to, to back us up. And I think the it's recognizing though, we aren't able to de-escalate all situations. Someone may be drug affected. Uh, there may be other uh, issues at play. And at the end of the day, for me, it's really about promoting the safety of our staff. And so having that opportunity to, to end the interaction and, and remove oneself if required. Well, that's a great segue into what I just jotted down as my next question, because it is an unfortunate event and, and, and the situation can escalate. It doesn't matter what we've done, we, we, we can't actually stop it from happening. In those instances, what steps can pharmacy staff take to prioritize, as you rightly said, the safety of themselves and, and, and also the patients that are, that are there on the premises, including the person that's potentially being quite aggressive, should they still attempt to assist the individual who's displaying that aggressive behavior or, or is it a, a situation of just disengaging? Look, every situation is going to be different. And at, at, I guess there's a, 
a need for some situational awareness and decision-making in, in those dynamic situations. There are going to be circumstances where trying to support or assist the patient may not be appropriate and safety comes first. And in those situations, preparation is key. So making sure that staff know, you know what the internal or external escape pathways are. Do we have safe zones that we can go to? Are there duress alarms available? And if so, if I press that duress alarm, you know, what happens and, and what the response is? Some locations may have some kind of CCTV in place. And if that's the case, do I know where that is and where, where the best uh, view is so that I can position myself appropriately for, uh, in, in those situations? Um, and so in those circumstances, it may be that we need to, to absolutely retreat uh, and do so safely, so never turning our back towards the customer, uh, always making sure that we maintain eye contact on where they are and, and keeping that distance and barriers in place. And, you know, that's where the, the physical environment becomes really important. And it may be, you know, if there are other patients, you know, in the pharmacy at the time and we need to exit the customer, it, yeah, we may even need to then close the pharmacy to maintain safety and, and be making those decisions in, in those real kind of extreme circumstances. They're all really good points and, and pieces of advice you gave. Is it fair to say that if managers of a pharmacy are openly having those conversations with those staff about the things that they can do if they can't de-escalate a situation, it actually gives the staff more confidence in those situations so they don't just shut down and, and flight or fight response? Absolutely. We want to empower our people. Just like we would practice a, a fire drill, you know, whether you're a kid in a school or in a, a workplace, we want to be able to practice and drill for these things as well. So in that time of crisis or emergency, I'm not relying on my prefrontal cortex to make all that decision-making. I know where to go and what to do. So absolutely, we want to, to empower staff and we really want to, to demonstrate that commitment to a, a zero-tolerance approach to, to aggressive customer behaviour. And that comes from our, our leadership teams. As I noted earlier, it's not going to be possible to avoid all aggressive or, or tense situations as such following a, a challenging or, or aggressive encounter with a patient, it's important to consider the, the emotional toll that it may take on pharmacy staff. We've all been in aggressive or confrontational situations and afterwards, as you mentioned at the top of the show, our heart rate is elevated, the adrenaline, uh, it's all pumping and sometimes we play it over and over again in our heads and sometimes we even go over it and, and tell others the story, which can heighten us even further. Well, what sort of support mechanisms should be in place to help staff cope with the aftermath of a tense or aggressive situation? I see a lot of organisations go straight to, here's the employee assistance program, do not you know, go past go, go straight for support. And for me, I think there's a, a it's not necessarily best practice you know, that the World Health Organization absolutely promotes this concept of psychological first aid. And at the core of psychological first aid is that we don't want to medicalize what is a normal response to a pretty horrible situation. And so there's kind of really five key principles to that. So the first one is promoting safety. And it kind of goes without saying, right, we want to remove the person from the threat. We want to address the threat and, and, and absolutely eliminate it where possible. 
Um, and then we want to move into to helping people meet those basic needs. It, it might be sitting down in the tea room and, and having a cup of tea or a sandwich or just having that opportunity to, to de-escalate themselves. We want to look at one of the other key principles is promoting calm and just you know listening to people and taking that person-centered approach and empathizing with what they're going through. Um, you know, we want to look at how we promote connectedness. We know that social connection is a key determinant of resilience. So that connection might be with my my team in in the pharmacy, or it might be uh, with my family, or whatever the situation may be. We we want to promote self-efficacy as well. So how do I actually cope with this myself? Um, and what are some of those strategies that I can lean on that I normally would to to help myself? And, and the, the final piece is how do we promote hope and the, that recognition that you know things will get better uh, and, and that reactions will kind of normalize over time as well. So for me, it's the, it's the application of psych first aid. It's not necessarily, hey, let's call the EAP straight away and, and get a professional in. It, there might be instances absolutely when we need that support uh, and we need professional support. Um, but for me, you know, meeting those basic needs first is really key. As you were talking there, I wondered whether that first reaction of just sending people to EAP is a little bit based on the, I want to make sure I don't stuff it up. I want to make sure that I don't make it worse or say the wrong thing. But all those things that you just spoke about are, are pretty normal ways to help support people and make them feel comfortable, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of fear in this space, especially when we start talking about mental health. And if I try and put myself and, and demonstrate a bit of that empathy in you know, a potential you know, manager's situation in a, a retail pharmacy and I might be, you know, a weekend manager and in my 20s or something and I might not necessarily have that experience. And so what do I do with it? Where do I go? Um, and so I think the other part of it is absolutely then also we want to demonstrate that we're doing something, that we care. And by going to the EAP, we're doing something and that feels good as a leader but it's not always the best thing. It's not to say it's it's uh, going to, you know, always the, the worst thing either. Sometimes that support absolutely is needed, um, but it's about meeting those those basic needs first. You made some great points there, especially around those five points, because creating a supportive environment is crucial for the well-being of pharmacy staff because, as we said, it's going to be impossible to avoid all aggressive incidents how can colleagues and management work together to build and maintain a culture that prioritizes the mental and emotional health of the team? You've already made some great points. Is there anything else that they can be doing? When I spoke about psych first aid, it is very much that framework for response. And I think when we're starting to talk about the, the I guess, the proactive space, there's, there's a lot more we can be doing. And for me, going back to the research, there is a, there's an abundance of research that demonstrates strong supportive leadership behaviour can be protective in this space and, and protect people against mental injury when we're faced with potentially traumatic events, critical incidents, aggressive customers and the like. And so for me, that supportive leadership behaviour is really key. And so again, coming back to some of those ideas around how do I demonstrate empathy for my people? How do I have that proactive engagement so that I'm asking about their well-being on a regular basis, not just after an aggressive customer incident. So that becomes the norm around having that psychological safety and that openness to speak up and, and raise concerns. And I think a, part, a large part of that from a leadership perspective is also how do I model 
you know, mentally healthy workplace behavior? And how do I actually demonstrate what good looks like? Because it's really easy to, to say one thing and do another. And what people will pick up on is more of what I do rather than what I say. Sometimes managers may intervene during an aggressive encounter by offering discounts or benefits to appease the aggressor. Or maybe they see an aggressive situation with their staff and they just come in over the top. They think they're being helpful. That's that. It's probably that fight response. I'm going to protect my staff. I'm going to get in the middle of it. And while this might seem like a a, a reasonable solution to de-escalate the situation, and, and of course the intention is clearly well-placed, is it the right move? Because I can imagine it could undermine staff and maybe their well-being if the manager just keeps stepping in all the time. There's a couple of key risks with this. So the first one is absolutely about that disempowerment of the staff member and not necessarily building their capability to be able to manage these situations. I think that the other risk is if we're giving the customer what they want, whether that's a discount or whatever it is, just to appease the situation to, to kind of exit them out of the, the pharmacy, that creates risk down the track because it then starts to reinforce the behavior. So I got what I want because and I got it because I got angry. So the next time I don't get what I want, I'm more likely to be angry again or aggressive in nature. You know, it's like my my six-year-old at home. Uh, you need to remain consistent, right? Um, and I think then the, the final bit is the risk to the leader or the manager that we don't necessarily think about. If the manager is the one consistently stepping in, we know that the, with the greater cumulative exposure is the greater risk. So if I'm stepping in on all the incidents across all my team, then I'm starting to have that cumulative exposure over time and that creates that, that other risk. As we start to wrap this up, I just want to revisit, I just want to underline some of the cultural points and, and the modelling of behaviour that you've spoken about so far. Can you just revisit what role the overall pharmacy culture and environment plays in preventing and, and addressing aggressive behaviour? And what steps management can take to improve this culture? Because there will be some people listening who think this all sounds really great. I'm getting to the end of the show. I can't remember necessarily what was said in the middle. Let's give them some steps to move forward with. The proactive and preventative piece is, is really important. Addressing it as a, a workplace risk like you would a slip, trip, fall hazard is really key, right? So identifying what our controls are, talking about it openly and honestly, practicing these things when we aren't under stress is all incredibly important. I think the other aspect is, is that having that strong supportive culture with that proactive engagement is going to enhance psychological capital within the workplace and it's going to empower people to, to have better customer interactions. And if we're having better customer interactions, we're less likely to see aggressive customer behavior. Whereas if I'm rocking up to work and I don't feel safe at work and I feel like you know, my boss doesn't have my back and I'm anxious going into the workplace because it isn't a good one, how's that going to transfer to, to the patient that I'm serving? Mark, it's been a really interesting chat full of really practical things that people can act on. And obviously a really important topic to discuss, especially this time of year. If people want to find out more about your work and the services that are available, what can they do? Where can they go? They can jump onto the web and look us up at Australian Psychological Services uh, or APS for short. Uh, they can shoot me an email at mark at ozpsychservices.com 
Well, jump on LinkedIn and follow me. We we do a lot of posts in this space and, and you know, often promote uh, good tips and, and that kind of stuff. Outstanding. Mark Ostigo, workplace psychologist at Australian Psychological Services. Thank you so much for coming on the show and helping us understand and manage aggressive behaviour in the pharmacy. My absolute pleasure, Daniel. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the PBCM podcast. A special thank you to Mark for sharing his expertise on occupational violence and aggression in a pharmacy setting. We hope you found the discussion valuable and gained practical insights to create a safer and more supportive work environment. As we wrap up today's discussion, remember that your well-being matters and creating a positive workplace culture is essential. If you require some extra support during the holidays, a reminder that the Guild offers an employee assistant program via TELUS Health. And you can learn more about the EAP via the links in the show notes. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 136 of the PBCN Podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.